Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The greatest gift that we can give to our communities is the gift of our unique and authentic perspective. And that's shaped by all of the moments in our life, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the successes, and the failures. The collection of these moments make up our unique individual stories. Hi, my name is Tristan Barracks, and I'm the Digital Storyteller. And this is the Story Over Everything podcast, where we have the opportunity to speak to the 17-year-old version of ourselves. Welcome to Season 2, The Women I Admire. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Tristan Barracks here, the Digital Storyteller, and I'm super excited to be with you once again for another episode of Story Over Everything, the podcast that allows you, allows my viewers, allows my guests to speak to the 17-year-old version of yourself. What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? What would you warn them about? And I'm really, really excited about this conversation with my friend, my homie, my sister, uh, Natasha Helwig, because she is um, what we call a healing consultant, and she just... Is all about focusing on building the community. So many, uh, th- there are so many opportunities within our our respective communities to be able to make connections and make connections and bonds that will provide healing and success for others. And she is a, a prime example of that. And I can't wait to learn more about her story. So I'm going to welcome you in, Natasha. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Thank you for welcoming me in in that way. <laughs> I haven't been on things like this in so long, so it's it always seems so um like almost like unnatural, I guess. Like, oh yeah, that's my title. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I I love it. I love that idea of being a healing consultant. I think there's there's so many, you know, people are people want to be so many things, but yeah. I, I I really do think that we need more healing, especially within this sort of time. And uh, I mean, we'll jump into that a little bit later on, but just the idea of somebody feeling so intentional about um, wanting to take some of that responsibility to work with people that need help is, is really important. And I think, you know, I commend you. I admire you on that. Um, I see your dedication and I'm really excited about people uh, getting to know you again, to know more about your story. Um, and also before we even get started with that, we got to we got to first and foremost, take it all the way back. And when I take it all the way back, I got to always start out with one of these right here. See, because <laughs> Now, the, for those of you that don't know what that theme song is, that is the that is the uh, what is it now? The Family Matters theme, family theme song. Matters. There you yeah. go. And the reason why that's important to me is because family is important to us, um, Natasha and myself, and we have a connection because we grew up in Malton. Malton, yeah. <laughs> we got a big up Malton. There we go. We love. <laughs> You're done now. <laughs> You don't know the clap clap, <laughs> you know what I mean? because yeah. listen, Malton is is it's one of those community that that 
communities that has been looked over, but has produced some of the most amazing and, and talented people. And um, you're one mm-hmm. of them. And, and I, I would love for you to share a little bit about your background, about growing up. I mean, I, I don't know if you you um, grew up in Moulton like all your life, but if you could just right. share with our with our listeners just a little bit about yourself and and um, well, first of all, what you do. So what are you doing okay. now? And then also let's go into the history of Natasha Helwig. Okay. <laughs> um, what do I do? So like you said, I'm a healing consultant and writer. Um, healing consultant, I think, is just like a fancy term for me helping women and um, now sort of specifically people of color um, get deep, dig deep, ask themselves tough questions and guide them through introspection and healing. Um, and how that looks is through facilitating workshops, doing one-on-one coaching, um, creating healing plans for people and just really creating space for people of color to feel heard. Mm. And then while giving them that space, guiding them a little bit, as I said, asking them tough questions and using tools like writing to, um, get them to get to their like aha moments or their breakthrough moments. Yeah. Um, my history. Yes, I'm yeah, let's like talk about, like, a fortified Malton girl. <laughs> I remember in high school, people would be like, "Yo, you're from Malton," and like side eye you. But I'm like from like a year and a half. I've been in Malton. Um, I don't live in Malton now, but I spent yeah 27 years there. <laughs> and wow. um, my parents moved there in 1987. I did all my schooling there. Um, my core friendships are out of Malton. Um, my love, you know, like my passion and love and interests come out of growth in Malton, but a lot of trauma has also come out of Malton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that, but you know, th- what's funny about that, Natasha, is like that, that's, I feel like that's all of our stories. You know, it's, right. it's you know, I, I look at Malton and my time in Malton. It's like a rose, right? A rose is a beautiful, beautiful flower. It has a, a amazing fragrance, but it also has, you know, prickly things on the stem. And if you, you hold it too hard, it can cause you to uh, have pain and not only just discomfort, but it can it can cause a lot of pain. And I think right. Malton is like that. It's like, you know, and the other thing, just in terms of the analogy, is like, you know, with with. Uh, with roses, they can kind of wrap around things and they can sometimes be overwhelming. Although they're beautiful, they can, they can kind of take over things that they don't necessarily naturally need to be around. And I I look at Malton and I just see so many parallels that it's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful community. Um, and I've had some amazing experiences there, but yeah, I've been hurt. I've been scared. I've been, you know, profiled like so many things, but take me back to, first of all, how many are, do you have any siblings? Are you the only child of your parents? Uh, what, what was that like growing up in the Hellwig family? Okay, so I grew up as an only child. Um, My dad was in a relationship before my mom, I'm sure. And he has two kids um, that are older than me. Um, For my early years, I believe they were in Jamaica before they came up here. Mm -hmm. Um, They were in their teens when I was a little kid. So I didn't even really know them until I made like a concerted effort in my late teens teens and 20s to start connecting with them Mm -hmm. um so i pretty much i grew up as an only child in the hellwig home (laughs) um and my parents are also they had me a little bit later in life so most of my friends came from parents that you know were 
in their 20s or 30s. Um, my parents had me. My dad was 40. My mom was 35. Okay. So um, my mom was a little bit more hip. My dad was a little bit more traditional. And so they. I grew up in a very strict home, but I was also quite rebellious. Um, super introspective, maybe a little too deep as a young kid. Um very comfortable alone, did a lot, like everything by myself. I also grew up on a street where there weren't many kids. So I was mm-hmm. on Brandon Gate. Big up Brandon uh, Gate. Big up Brandon Gate. But I was like, <laughs> I was towards the side where there was a lot of like retirees. <laughs> so the kids that would come, it would be like their grandkids who were like visiting for the summer. Yeah. And again, my parents, my mom was strict about like not really letting me go out and like play with kids and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was always creating something like I made my own dollhouse. I used to draw and paint, write stories like I did a lot of creative stuff by myself as a young kid. And then when I started to get that taste of like friendship and freedom, Mm -hmm. I ran a little bit wild with it and got a little rebellious. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in my high school age. Yeah, get catch. That's what happened. Get one of of those drinks out. Grips on your way. (laughs) It's all good. We all got it. We all got it. We we live in Malton. It's okay. Yeah, true. But you know what? I I think that that's so interesting because, I mean, there's so many parallels. Like, I I grew up with, you know, two two older brothers, one younger sister, but, you know, very Christian, conservative home. And um, like every every sibling, every person within the family kind of had their own journey of trying to figure out what and who they were. And and Malton was a big part of that coming out party. So I'm just like listening to you. I'm like, man, like crazy it's just crazy how much uh similarities but yeah so you you get to like i guess middle school high school and and that's when you start sort of like experimenting or you're just trying to figure out more about what your voice is like can you tell me a little bit more about that so i would say in high school um i would say it was definitely like inside of me there was leadership skills mm-hmm. being having grown up so independent mm-hmm. but wanting to fit in i definitely became a follower in like my early years Mm -hmm. so um and then more so when i had my first boyfriend so when i had my first boyfriend um i started i wanted i became like really attached i think him and i both became really attached to each other's our first serious relationship yeah and so what that looked like was us just wanting to constantly be around each other and um, being uncomfortable at home in our like home life. Yeah. There was conflict in my home life. There was conflict in his home life, like um, between our parents as well as our parents with us. Yeah. So, I mean, my parents are still together, but I, I've often said that um, I felt like I grew up in a home with two insecure people. Mm. So could you, yeah, could you, so, you kind of unpack that a little bit? Cause that's really interesting. Yeah. So like, you know, I grew up in a home where, I mean, the reality is, is like, I think sometimes we glorify parents. We think because they're our parents that they're not just people too. Wow. So at a very young age, I mean, I, I knew what their conflicts were about. There was infidelity, there was dishonesty, there was unforgiveness. I knew all that stuff by the time I was like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that also put me 
kind of contributed to why I was so introspective because they say like with children, um, the most impactful years of any person's life is from zero to seven years old. Mm -hmm. And um, children, there's, they have a, a narcissistic personality in the sense where they believe that everything is about them. So Mm -hmm. if there's, if everyone's happy in the home, they innately feel like they're happy and I'm happy and they're happy because of me. Mm -hmm. And if everyone, if there's conflict, kids take that and they internalize that and they feel like the conflict is also because of me. So I did like, I recall like spending a lot of time um, as a middle person. I mean, this wasn't even singular to just being like, a little kid like my entire life being at home I was the middle person between my parents Mm. um and I'm not going to put the labels on which parent was which because I don't want to do that to them but there was definitely like codependency that showed up um bad communication that showed up um intensity so the way they would conflict could be intense sometimes never violence but you know raising of voices mean words stuff like that yeah um so you go through that experience and then as you when you hit high school and stuff like that you make friends and you feel at home in that community you feel at home with that person so I had my first boyfriend I felt really safe and at home with him mm. I'm sure he felt safe and at home with me and then we you cling to that and you don't want to do anything like we didn't want to go to class we just want to spend all our time together we'd skip school we would you know it just became like this tumbling effect um Mm. so like literally my 10th my grade 10 year like i was just like never in class i failed classes that i would otherwise be amazing at um and i was just hanging around with people and getting caught up in drama with with you know other people's drama with their friends and Literally just being like so unnecessary. <laughs> um, <laughs> just molten, also, it's molten drama. It's molten drama. Yeah, <laughs> but also um, the more that my parents tried to tighten the grip is the more that I felt uncomfortable and uneasy. And so mm-hmm. I would lie to them and I didn't want to be around them. And, and I wanted to just do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent my 10th year like that. And I spent gr- some part of grade 11 like that until our relationship mashup now. <laughs> Everything mash up, everything, everything. Everything mash up. And then I had to look back at myself, and this is a young age too, so look mm. again and be like, yo, what am I about to do? Like, my friends soon left me in this school yeah. because they were on track, you know? <laughs> That's and the worst. That's the worst when, when you're in the situation where you're like, wait a minute, but wait, I'm going to be with, with, with grade niners. And I've been, exactly. I've been... <laughs> and, I, and it wasn't, you know, I was also part of the year with the um the dropping of grade yeah. 13. So yeah, the yeah. double cohort thing. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky in the sense where I, um, it wasn't like frowned upon to stay back. So I yeah. stayed back. I stayed back and did grade 13 um, just so that I could improve my grades and then, you mm-hmm. know, start over and get into college, university and all that. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I if I'm gonna be completely honest with you, I don't know if I would do it all over again. I think mm. that I would be better at using my voice. So instead of telling lies, communicate yeah. more. Um, I would hope that if I was a better communicator, my parents, although this is a reach considering they're Jamaican, but they could see my perspective, but they're very like honor thy father and thy mother and my way is the way. So I don't know. 
And with Sorry. with all, I mean, with all due respect to Jamaican parents, we have to really understand to contextualizing, like when you're because I'm a parent, I kind of get this now. Like there, yeah. there's the formative years of being parent parents uh, for your kids, where it's like you are telling them and directing them and being that that um, almost like training wheels. And then at a certain yeah. point, you know, you get to adolescence, get to teen years, tweener, and getting up to you know more young adult years. You have to now transition from being that sort of strong voice in their life to being now that advocate that walks beside them and and giving them that space to make mistakes and giving them that space to to take advice from you but then from others as well and it's it's hard it's very very hard and i never really appreciated it until i got older not necessarily with my kids but just with you know looking back at how my parents dealt with my oldest brother to my second oldest to me then to my sister it's like there was I don't think there was a watering down effect. There was just like they they realized that every single child was different. And right. because of that, I, I have to use nuance because some mm-hmm. some children I have to give more rope to others. I have to give less because they they haven't developed, the, you know, the critical um, decision making skills yet. So I, I hear you on that. It's it's hard because our parents, most of our parents from come from Jamaica. They just knew what they knew. They knew that, listen, you talk back, you get smacked. That's it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. There was, exactly. There was no nuance. You know? Right. She did. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and I see that now, but in the time I felt like, why can't they be more flexible? Why can't mm-hmm. they hear me? I'm caught up in they? the middle of them and I want, I don't want to be in that conflict. Um, mm. I like, yeah. I like what you said. Like, why can't they hear me? Um, mm-hmm. can, can you kind of open, kind of talk about that a little bit more, especially, you know, again, we're talking about our stories and talking about our journeys. And I think one of the, the most important thing for every individual is the idea of being heard and how, like, like why use that terminology? What, what's important about that? Because I think that, that you struck a a real chord, at least you struck a little chord inside of me, girl. So come, come, explain (laughs) yourself. That terminology. Cause I think that, um, Hmm. I think that everybody desires to be heard. Mm. Uh, it, I think that it's a, you know, we're always saying like, why can't you listen? Da, 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 da. Um, and I think part of listening, it's a give and take, right? So part of active listening is really just being quiet and taking your own judgments and feelings and projections and biases out, out of the equation just to literally just to listen just to be silent so that someone can feel like um what they're expressing is is being heard i really don't know how to go deeper with that to Mm -hmm. be honest with you Mm -hmm. um i think people don't understand how important silence can be Mm -hmm. um how valuable silence can be like and we've been talking a bit more like as the energy of the world starts to focus on healing, there's been a lot of talk of like alone time and meditation Mm -hmm. and silence in that respect, but also just um, healthy silence and communication, not the silent treatments, Mm because I think there's a difference, but being able to ask people the right questions and then staying quiet in that moment so that they can filter their thoughts and feelings and respond, you know, in their truest form. Yeah. Um, and when we ask a question, but then we talk over them or we interrupt them 
we're not doing that for them. We're not demonstrating that that person is being given a platform to be heard, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes total sense. And I, I love the way that you're articulating it because I think that there's a practicality to it and there's a necessity. So it's, it's, it's practical in the sense of being silent when somebody else is trying to speak and communicate to you, but then there's a necessity because how can you be, and and I spoke, I've had this conversation with some of my colleagues um, on other podcasts, but this idea of like, how can you actually um, accurately listen if you're processing mm-hmm. how you're going to respond to something exactly. that, you know what I mean? Like, like that just can't, it doesn't jive because our minds are not that good. <laughs> right. We think our minds are better than, than they really are, but we need that opportunity to really listen and, and, and hear, hear right. the person and let, let right. the words sink in and then process that, then process our response. Exactly. Um, yeah. And also people don't realize sometimes how um, powerful silence can be in the sense that, You can ask a question, let someone ponder it, give their response, and then still stay comfortably silent (laughs) and allow that person to get a little bit uncomfortable. But that's that's awkward. You know what I mean? Like that It is awkward, (laughs) but it's you get the real response out of the person being uncomfortable in that Mm, moment. You give you add a little bit of pressure. Yeah. It's not it, you now. I'm definitely giving a little like tool or tip here that people have misused and done used in gaslighting and mm-hmm. maybe have used it in persuading or sales and stuff like that. But some sometimes in just healthy communication, like I said, just being silent and giving the person the stage so that they can speak until it's all off of their chest, off of their shoulders, and then remain silent. And I mean, if they're kind of like wanting to fill that space and that gap a little bit, you mm. just let them know that you're taking in and you're processing what they're saying. And you actually do that. It's not meant to be, you know, intentional to make someone uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. But um, it is to get the truest response out of them. Loki, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering a time where you actually yeah. did that with me, where we, I was talking about uh, telling you a little bit about a challenge um, that I was having and the way you responded, I was, I was really, I was, I was just taken back in a good way because I was like, you know, sometimes you talk to people and they don't mean to add more stress or more energy or more um, excitement to the situation, but their response just naturally does that. And you responded totally different. Like, um, and it was, it really allowed me to kind of see myself, (laughs) which, which is, it's not always the most comfortable thing, but it's good. You know, well, I think that the other problem is I think sometimes we spend too much time giving advice um, or, or trying to tell someone what to do versus just like, let me help them get there. Let me ask another question. I want to know more about this person and the challenge they're facing. And I think that they need help understanding the challenge they're facing. Also, they're not going to get there if you had just expressed something some adversity and then I was like you express it in one sentence and then I was just like well this is what you should do boom 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 um but like I've just given you like a textbook response without actually knowing what your experience really is how you're really feeling by diving deeper Mm -hmm. because the challenge may look the same for you and another person but how you want to respond to the challenge is not necessarily going to be the same and how you feel during that challenge may not actually be the same that's good. No, that's good. I, I like that a lot. 
I like that a lot. Um, let's yeah. let's keep on let's keep on going. So I mean, you know, um, you're sitting here. <laughs> by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you don't know who this is, this is Natasha Helwig, and she is a uh, healing consultant. She is all about focusing on building up the whole person, um, the totality of a person, and allowing a person to walk in the freedom and the joy and the excitement of being healed and empowered. So um, she's super dope. You need to be following her. You need to be checking out all of her platforms. Uh, she actually has a live stream that goes on on Instagram every. Well, I don't know how long you're going to be doing it now, but every Monday it seems like there's a there's an Instagram live um, talking about relationships, and I love that. I jump into that as much as I can. But let's jump into a little bit more into your story, uh, Natasha. Let's talk about. So you break up with the you know the the scrub, and then, no joke, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> you know what? Th- He's not a scrub. He's actually one of my best friends today. I know. I know. I, that's why I was laughing. I'm like, you just have to throw in the the 90s references because right (laughs) and can i also say like you need to come and write my mission statements because you can like (laughs) kill me these descriptions (laughs) listen listen i gotta make sure that that you know everybody's lathered up and feeling good about themselves because i don't put on no scrubs on this podcast i only love to put on people that are ready to share their stories and i think this is I'm, i'm feeling so energized by even just a little bit that you've shared so far because you know so many times we look back at you know, opportunities in our live, uh, lives is like, okay, we should have done this better or that better. And you are one of the first people who said, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, there's things I would change, there's things I wouldn't change, and that's okay. You know what I mean? And I think it's being able to have nuance. And obviously, you can, that only comes really with having time to look back at your life. So I'm really excited about the end of our conversation because that's going to give you an opportunity to really go deep into terms of talking to yourself. But okay. <laughs> before that, we're going to go back to, you know, after, after the relationship, after high school, what was next for you? What, what were, what were some of the challenges um, or were there? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better learn more at managementconcepts.com that's managementconcepts.com every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Challenges, or were there just only successes? What was college like and and kind of getting into your young adulthood okay well (laughs) so my 20s i would describe as um like a very rocky tumultuous period um heavily focused on relationships with other people um and a lot of my 20s are a blur. I think I've thrown away a lot of memories due to trauma. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, so high school is done. I went to college for broadcast journalism, actually. <laughs> and I was very shy. I was naturally, my personality is um, quite interesting 
extroverted, um, yeah, I guess I'll use the word shy. Just I would I wouldn't even necessarily say shy. I was very insecure and had low confidence. Mm. Um, so I went into this broadcast journalism program, but I actually thought I was going into a writing style journalism program. I was clearly not paying attention, but <laughs> didn't realize there'd be such a big focus on things like this, like radio yeah. and TV work and the entire year. I mean, I did it and I pushed myself outside of my comfort zone, but I was so rocky and scared and, as I said, insecure. And um, it played into that. So I eventually switched out and went to university. During that time, however, I I dated somebody when I I was 19. The relationship was short. It was eight months. Um, And he was older than me. So 19 turning 20, he was 24 turning 25. Um, when I think of it now, that's not that much older, but back then it was kind of like, you're 19, he's 24, you know, my, my mom wasn't really sure, but she liked him. Mm. Um, and then he would do things like he would feel insecure about guy friendships I had. Um, and that should have been a red flag, but I didn't understand it as a red flag at that time. Mm. He also... I didn't fully know how he was making money and I wasn't asking enough questions. So we started and he was very quick to tell me he loved me. I remember when he told me he loved me, I hesitated. I didn't say anything back. Then there was this awkward moment and he was like, so like, you're not going to say anything. You don't love me. And then I kind of just said it because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Um, Mm. And then long story short, he was getting very aggravated by the fact that I, my circle of friends was both men and women and had my birthday and all of us came together. He didn't like that the guys were at my birthday. So he broke up with me shortly after, but you go through that one, one month stage of like, you're kind of still talking or whatever. So we were still, we still continue to talk from like December to March. We hadn't seen each other. Um, and then in March I got on a go bus cause he didn't, he didn't live close and we saw each other. Big up to go bus. And, Sorry. You know, right. <laughs> and we saw each other and just to like wrap up that story, we, um, we were intimate and he was going to drive me home. And when we got in the car for him to drive me home, he immediately was just like, who are you fucking? And the entire ride, he kept asking me, asking me, asking me until he got explosive and he basically like beat me up with like beat me with intention to kill. Oh, wow. And and this was like it was like a Tuesday at like 9 p.m. In order for me to get myself out of the situation, I had to lie to him. And it was like this weird moment of me telling a lie and then him stopping and then like taking a step back. And then, and this whole experience is in the car on the highway. Wow. Um, He had pulled off the highway into Malton and wanted, like when I say beat to kill, he wanted to like proceed and I had to run. So he got, he came after me and um, I lied to get him to stop. And then there was this, this moment where it was like the emotion just faded and he just became very logical and he looked at me and there was blood and he was like, you can't go home like this. 
And then everything was tactical and calculated after that. I like he brought me brought me somewhere he wanted to get like Kleenex. He made me sit in the car um, for another hour before he let me out to go inside. When I got inside, he called my phone just I guess to kind of like see what I was feeling like and talk wow. to me and then explain his side of it. Um, so what? and I literally saw him after that experience. I saw him once after, and that was it. It was like God removed him from my life. But I was left with the um, uncertainty. I was left with feeling like I was at fault. Um, as much as I love my friends and they were a huge support, yeah. they we were still so young where the communication wasn't like. You know, like people were like, that shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't have done that. But I don't think they quite knew how else to respond. Yeah. And I didn't know what I needed from them either to say, like, this is what I need. Um, and then so I was left with that uncertainty. Felt like I was to blame. So cool, felt really cool angry. Uh, yeah. Cool, cool question with this. Like, so you get into your house, your mom, your dad. They don't ask you about the bruising. They don't ask you about. So it was like it was like eleven o'clock at night. They okay. were sleeping. Okay. And I would get up early. Bef- like my dad was working shift work, so a lot of times we would just be passing. He wouldn't even see me mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and my mom was she still working? I'm pretty sure she was still working at that time. And she also she always got up for work at like five in the morning. Mm-hmm. So by the evening, like, and then I would do things like go to school. And work after so it wasn't like it wasn't um weird for me to not get home till like 11 o'clock at night and they'd be shut down already so to be honest I kind of just like tiptoed around them um there weren't bruises I had scratches like around my nose I remember I had like a lot of scratches around my nose and on my cheeks but they weren't like enough for them to like see oh okay so this guy was very strategic then he he, yeah it's almost like he knew what he was doing maybe yeah Mm. i could say i mean yeah i don't know i don't know actually if i'm gonna be real i never thought about how much he knew he was doing and with that being said like as i said with my 20s i then Mm. took that and rolled over into another relationship where this guy was very jealous and toxic and then finally rolled into a third relationship who I thought would be different. He'd been my friend for a long time. The first year was amazing. And then the second year, he also became violent. And with him, um, because I had known him, I stayed with him for eight, nine months of him being violent. Um, I was constantly trying to get us to communicate better trying different, you know, things like maybe I was communicating wrong. Um, but his, his aggression, he was that textbook when they say like somebody hits you once, they'll, they'll keep doing it and get worse and worse. It was definitely that. And his actions were definitely calculated. So So I did notice that in that relationship. I mean, my, my, you know, my, my, my mind is just exploding here because I'm thinking to myself like, you know, for those of you that don't know what Natasha looks like, she's a beautiful, um, buttery Jamaican young lady. Okay. Um, with, the, the, with like <laughs> the best hairstyle ever. Like I saw her at a wedding. I was like, she is dope. She's just cool. And, and yeah. so I, I look at you and I'm like, man, like you're intelligent, you're beautiful. Um, you know, you, you, you have the street savviness and, and to hear that, you know, 
there was there were these interactions that lasted so long. I mean, even a couple months. Like, what was that? What what made you stay? What made you reason to yourself? You know, even though I have all these things going for me, I still need to make this work. What was that like? That that's something that I'm I'm trying to to figure out because I don't I don't know. I'm just curious. You know. Right. Okay. So one. When people ask what made someone stay, just um, just it's okay to ask me that now because Mm -hmm. of the work I'm doing and where I'm at. But that is actually a very uncomfortable question to ask abuse victims. Mm -hmm. Just just like so, you know, just anybody to know in the future, like if you meet somebody and they share with you that they've they're going through this, Mm -hmm. it's a difficult question to ask because each woman's experience is different. Mm -hmm. Um, What made me stay back then? Um, the reality is, is like everything that you just described, it's, I did not see that in myself. Mm. And so, um, the first experience where it was like the sudden attack, that's what it was. It was a sudden attack. And then he just disappeared and he chose to leave. Um, the second relationship lasted, I think a year and a half and he, he wasn't, I wouldn't call him violent with me, but he was emotionally talk like, uh, toxic with his words. Mm. Um, and he admitted to like following me, stalking me at certain points. And I left that experience just being like more tired and exhausted by him than anything okay. in the third relationship where this person had, we'd had a track record of friendship for about seven years up to that point or six years up to that point. Um, I stayed one because I didn't see that in myself Two because I was making, I don't want to say excuses. I was trying to collaborate with him. Okay. I was trying to meet him halfway. I was empathetic to his experiences and I felt like, and there was codependency on my part. I felt okay. like we're in this, we had set our minds on building a future together and um, I equally saw where my communication style was toxic um, and I started to feel like the way I was communicating, I wasn't, I wasn't a person like I'm not like, you know, like I don't cuss and carry on, but lies, lies, I, all lies. You're from Malton. No, I don't. Like, I don't even know how to do that cuss and carry on stuff. But, but um, like a little bit of backstory, we had this great relationship. And then a girl had said that she was sleeping with him. So at this point I have two decisions. I have one decision to make, which is, do I stay or do I go? And if I choose to stay, am I going to do the work to trust him when I Mm. stay? And is he going to do the work to create, you know, create a trusting like energy space between us? Um, but again, that's something I didn't know at that age. So I stayed and when, you know what I was saying in regards to like my parents, um, I stayed with him, but didn't practice forgiveness. And I still didn't ever actually get the answer as to whether or not he'd actually been cheating. But this woman knew a lot about me and a lot about him where it was difficult to trust him. But again, it's still my choice to make, you know. So I, I didn't make the choice to trust him. Instead, I stayed with him saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to trust you. But I didn't know what type of work to do. I didn't know what forgiveness looked like. Um, and so every month or two months, if we got into an argument about something completely random, I would then be like, I would bring up her name or I'd be like, well, why does she know this or why does she know that? 
And the first three months after she came out of the woodworks, um, we would have those arguments. And he eventually what happened was one day in that argument, he just saw red. That's how he would describe it. He's like, he saw Mm -hmm. red and then he was violent with me. Um, and then, so when I look back on that experience and that experience, I've reconciled it like through and through all of those things from my twenties, I've reconciled. Mm -hmm. But when I think about that experience, I don't think that he's justified in hitting me. I don't think that anyone's justified in hitting anyone, Mm -hmm. but I also recognize that my communication style when I'm angry is I vent. And even though I don't, I'm not saying like, Tristan, you're this and you're that and Mm da. I'm venting the thing that's giving me the anxiety. I'm saying, well, why this? Well, why that? Well, why this? But you on the receiving end is taking it and absorbing that energy like I'm attacking you. Mm-hmm. So now he felt, you know, backed into a corner and he wants to get the fuck out that corner. Yeah. yeah. So he could have chosen to walk away. And I'm sure there were times he chose to walk away and I still chase after him, you know? And so, I, 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 yeah. I like that you brought that point up. And, and again, I, I want to um, reiterate this. I, I don't we're not blaming victim blaming. We're not making yeah. excuses for physical abuse. There's no excuse for being you know physically violent with anybody, whether it's male or female. Um, but I think that we we put so much emphasis on the physical that we we negate the psychological and emotional abuse that we can all provide that can hurt right. just as deep just as um it can be just as vicious and just as um scarring and i think that we really need to make sure that we have an an adequate um perspective and balance on the two right because we we you know we we don't have any um patience for the person that 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 hits his girlfriend but but then at the same time we'll make we'll make room and space and maybe overlook the person that is verbally abusive or emotionally abusive or manipulative through, you know, sexual, uh, sexual activities and things of that nature. So I think that's really a really important discussion to have. And I'm glad that you kind of, um, positioned it that way, because I think that that, that's nuanced. That's what we could talk about talking about layers. One of the questions I want to ask, because I I do want to be respectful of your time is, um, you know, you spoke about obviously these negative negative things that were happening in your 20s but what were some of the things that were helping you like were you getting into any sort of um you know were you finding your passion a little bit more or were you so distracted and and sort of um derailed by some of these negative experiences it was hard to find sort of your path and your voice what was that like in terms of some of the those sort of areas So from 19 to 24, which is the age that those experiences happen, 24, 25, we'll call it 25. So those five, six years, I was derailed. I had fun moments with friends here and there. I was doing school because I, you know, in my mind, I was supposed to be doing school. Um, And I was in a job that I didn't love. And so, no, there wasn't I wasn't focused on anything but go to work, go to school, crack jokes with my friends and be in these shitty relationships. Um, When I got out of that last relationship, um, I I tell this story a lot that like I was depressed and I didn't know if I was coming or going. And so I but I knew that I needed help. Um, I knew that support, support was coming from friends and stuff like that, but I needed like accountability. And so Mm. I sought out 
first I was looking for therapy, ended up in life coaching and got a life coach. And that guy helped me like so much, like helped me with goal setting, helped me tap into my hobbies and passions again, helped me figure out the school and what direction I was going and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, which is ultimately how I ended up in life coaching also, because I realized how important that and it was short, like he was only, I could only afford to pay him for three months. Mm-hmm. And, um, but those three months were so pivotal in helping me get my confidence back. And I also made a decision when I came out of that last relationship that who I was couldn't exist anymore. Like when I did mm-hmm. go to therapy, I said, like, I keep attracting these types of relationships to me and I need that to stop. I want to know, like, you know, I want to have a healthy relationship. I want to be more confident. Like I see the vision I see for myself is not what I'm living. Yeah. So I did the work really to, um, to start living in, in my purpose and embody like what I truly felt was inside of me. That's powerful. No, no, that's, that's powerful. And, and, there's so much there, Natasha, because the, no, it's just you just dropped a bomb. Like, I think the whole idea of especially within the black community, because we're still working on on certain things and, and that's OK. I, I embrace it. I embrace my community. But I think the idea of investing in in a life coach or in a therapist um, and, and even the fact that you you only had enough for three months. But what three months did the I mean, the, the potency of that investment um, is immeasurable, you know, yeah. you know, and obviously it's not to say that you just did those three months and didn't have to do any other work and now turned into this fabulous person. <laughs> but, but well, no, like, yeah. so I did three months and he discounted it for me. I remember um, <laughs> everybody loves that even, discount. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even in person. Like the man lived in Vancouver. I found him through mm. Google somehow. And we did Skype sessions and he would make me send him a to-do list in the morning. And at the end of the night, I had to send him another list showing what I actually did. And we would have one call for half an hour a week. And I would be right making all these notes and whatever. Now, mind you, this experience, it was three months and I built up confidence and I had more fun. It didn't save me from not getting into another relationship that was an extreme up and down as well. It wasn't violent. Um, If anything, It was, I always say I did my most growth in that relationship. Um, But, you know, there were still things within me that were the same. The codependency was Mm -hmm. still there. The need to want to be in a relationship was still there. Um, So until I'd gone through that final and last relationship, like I wouldn't, again, without the life coach, without the experiences of my 20s, without having built this broken heels platform, like I wouldn't be where I'm at right now, if that makes sense. No, I, 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 I I totally, it makes so much sense. And, and I want to talk about the broken heels platform. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, some of the things that you're doing, but, but I really want to talk about sort of where this, how did this come to be and how did you birth this and, and what are some of the, the, um, amazing memories that you've been creating or moments you've been creating. <laughs> um, Why are you laughing started... for? I'm asking, I'm being serious, serious with this girl. She's laughing at me. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> it started as a, I was super anonymous. Um, and again, when I say I did 
the most growing in my last relationship. Like I dated somebody in my last relationship, which was like umpteen years ago. <laughs> um, he was an entrepreneur as well. He was a creative. Um, and this, this is a, a good example of when you do better and be better, you start to attract better. Mm-hmm. So there were things that I had shifted in my life that allowed me to attract him into my life. And I do think that he's a good person. But like I said, we did have shitty experiences in our relationship as well. Um, so, and even that those shitty experiences are a mirror image of, again, the the work I, I still needed to do, you know? Um, so being that he was an entrepreneur and a creative, I had had the idea, I'd always had ideas and I would write things down, but I was always seeking the support of other people to like co-sign or jump mm-hmm. on the idea with me and help build it. Whereas he was very independent. So when I said like, I have this thing or I'm thinking about doing this thing, you know, he would give me advice and help me with that. So I started as just, um, a Tumblr blog. I remember. And it was like, I was very intentional about not showing my face. Um, another weird thing, my intention of not showing my face was because I didn't want it to be a black thing which also shows you like how far I've come in the last like what five six years because it was very like I want this to be for all women (laughs) and if I show my face you know like not for anything but I just I want it to be for all women and it was and like I had women write in and like share their stories of abuse and I would share my story Um, that eventually transformed into um, raising money or doing clothing drives mm-hmm. for women's shelters. I did that for a couple of years. And then that again transformed. Um, I met this beautiful lady, Coco Nicole Vieira. Yes, Coco. Also, She's my yes. homie. Listen, did work Is with she? her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Her late son. Um, I was, yeah. yeah, I did work with him and, and her whole family. We, we used to do a lot of stuff both in the community and in church. So yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So Coco yeah. is like, what I call it, like my big sister. Um, yeah. Close to Jordan also. Yeah. Um, so she proposed to me, she was, she'd always loved the brand and, um, the words broken heels. She loved what it represented. She'd had her own experiences and she had proposed to me like we should do, um, we should coach like, you know, think bigger. This is what this could look like. And we mainly her, if I'm going to be real, applied for a grant. And then we did a grant based program in the city for women, um, for three months. And we took these women on this journey weekly of like our pillars at that time. We said we what did we say? We help women um, realize their worth, heal their their hearts, design their lives and share their stories. Mm. And that's so then like, you know, you do do up the fancy website and this is what you're going to do. You're going to coach, you're going (laughs) to sell. And we got this grant and everything. And then like I couldn't sell one fucking program for my life. Like I couldn't (laughs) Like, like it was just like this fancy thing. And so, um, she focused more on her work and I took a step back and for like two years, if I'm gonna keep it real, I didn't do anything. Mm. I was like, I'm just going to write 
all I'm going to do is write, I'm gonna, and at that time, I think this is 2014, 2014, 2015, I was like, I'm just going to write, and I'm the, the only platform I'm going to focus on is Instagram. Mm. And um, just, so I, I would share my story. Just, yeah. just, to, just to jump in there, I think that there's a power. Um, there's a power in, in the idea of just focusing on one. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No I'm thing and being and yeah. doing that really, really well that... Yeah. I feel like is a missed opportunity for, for, you know, for some people because everybody feels like they need to be, you know, I guess a jack of all trades and be doing everything and having their hands in every pot and be labeled as every single different (laughs) type of label they possibly can that that they lose. It loses. You know, if you say you're a digital storyteller, but then you also say you're a professional motivational speaker and then you're also a healing coach and you're also this, those all lose their 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 potency because right. you're not actually focused on that one thing not to say that you can't do you can't be a multi-disciplined person but i think that that there's a there's a point and there's something that's really um strategic and intentional about saying i'm going to really focus in on one thing one platform or one element of who i am right. and be yeah. really really well known for that and do it really well because i'm passionate about it and this is something that really speaks to people so i like that right. I, I really like that yeah. Yeah. So I spent um, 2014, 2015 just sharing my experiences, putting up quotes that I wrote. And um, I was one of the few people who was already doing the long captions back then <laughs> and microblogging, as it's called now, um, and ended up amassing by 2016, I believe, 2016, 2017, had amassed this large following at that time on Instagram of like 30 or 40,000 people. Wow. Um, and then took what I had written on Instagram and put it in a small book and was selling that book. Um, mm. And then, then, like you said, things got a little muddled. People were reaching out to me. They wanted advice. They wanted this and a third. So then I toyed with, okay, let me do one-on-one coach, one on one coaching. What does that look like? How do I build my own brand? Because... I had integrity to the brand that Coco and I had built together, like the the program we had built together, but I wanted something that was, um, you know, my own. Mm -hmm. And so what do I, what do I want to focus on? What does my audience look like, et cetera? So I spent like a year or two just trying to figure that out, trying different things, hosting a workshop here and there, hosting like five week programs in my home, stuff like that. Um, Even thought about coaching men, Um, so that journey of like figuring out, like, can I coach men? I wasn't comfortable with that. So I ended up reaching out to who's now like my best friend and business partner, Nigel Birch. Um, he, he and I actually met with intention to do a men's program. And instead we came together and we built a brand called manifest black, which is about just helping people of color basically manifest a new reality for themselves to yeah. recognize that we're multidimensional, we're, we're multi-passionate, um, we don't need to be inside of a box, and how can we have better relationships with people um, 
and get to, again, the same desired dream or outcome that, you know, we wish for. So we do that through hosting like what we call transformative events. So we do discussion nights in the city. Like the minute this is over, we hope to have one that we call Nightcap. Um, We do the live conversations now on Monday nights. Um, Which are phenomenal, getting, by the way. They're, they're, yeah, they're, phenomenal. they're fun. They're, they're, <laughs> sometimes I just need to get on there and be like, listen, all right, let me tell you my opinion, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then personally, back to my own brand with yeah. Broken Heels. Um, so I think I got comfortable with the following. And when I think, look at it now, like I got really comfortable with the following I had grown. Um, and I was like a brand ambassador and just doing all the Instagrammy things. And then in November I got hacked. Um, and when I got hacked, I didn't realize like how attached I was to the content and to the, the follower base, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I went through the emotions of that for like maybe a couple hours if I'm being real <laughs> and then not even like a full week, just like a couple hours before I was like, all right, well, it's a clean slate and this is probably better for me. I want to be, because at the time, like Instagram had grown with me, but it had grown with my journey and me trying all the things. Yeah. Um, and so as much as having like when it got hacked, I was just under 50,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had partnerships with different brands and was making money from posting things, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I was like, well, what do I want to actually say to the world? What do I want to be known for? Like, what's my legacy going to be? That's good. And me having a large following is not a legacy. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's how, how many, for me, it's how do I impact people? How many people do I impact? And what's my story? And, um, so, so you're, you're saying a lot there and you're just kind of like listening through it. Like it's just a regular thing. And I think sometimes individuals like ourselves, we take for granted the fact that we've done some of that work where it's like, we've thought about these things. Right. And I think what you're saying is, sorry, say again. That's part of the introspection. It's part of the self work that you have to do. You have to do that. And, and I love what you're saying, but like, it's just so important, um, for us to kind of slow down because I think, you know, you're saying you're talking about, you know, impact and talking about having a legacy. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the numbers and say, well, my voice is more important because I have X amount of followers. And the fact that this happened to you and then you were able to identify that, man, I was, you know, it was, it's, it's, it, this is intoxicating to have this many people following you, but is it actually the, the authentic, person I want to become and be exactly exactly that's exactly it it was like I'd had this this large following and I didn't know them um Mm. people are watching me now I have to think about what I'm posting what I'm saying what I'm doing in my stories um but and I want to be authentically me Mm. at the at the end of the day and if someone's going to follow me they're going to be comfortable with who I am yeah um, and if they're not, they can go away. <laughs> move yourself uh, move to, to, to blow that skirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, like you said, it was also just narrowing down my niche and my audience mm. and the titles. And, you know, like we iterate things like life happens and things change and you grow and you're going to iterate things. Um, 
But I want my messaging to always be clear that the intention for me is to help people. And then, as I said, I've also grown because where I was shying away and I wanted this to be for all women, Mm -hmm. I'm very intentional now about, no, I want this to be for like my people. Mm -hmm. I want this to be for black people. I want this to be for men and women of color because our experiences um, are different. Yeah. No, you're different. You're absolutely right. Um, we got a, f- a few more minutes and we're, we're done. Two more questions, actually. The first okay. question is, um, <laughs> so is that what you're doing currently or what are you currently working on uh, that we can support and we can follow and we can get to? Hey. <laughs> okay. Watch what? I wish I had this video to show you guys. Whoa, this girl already, she ready to dance out queen. <laughs> Hold on. Hey. Go ahead. Go ahead, girl. Go ahead. Um, Okay, so my main um, offering right now is I'm doing an online program. I've actually been um, reaching out to women directly. Like I said, I have a niche audience. Right now, it's focused mainly for women. And my goal as it builds its foundation is that I move towards men as well. Mm -hmm. But it is a seven-week online program called Unpacking Your Relationship with Self and Others. And it's focused on exactly that. Each week, we look at how are you loving yourself? Um, What does your relationship look like with your parents, with your partners? How do you look at sex and desire? Um, What are your passions and interests, etc.? Um, and how that looks is a lot of written work and material and activities as well as group coaching with me. Um, and then finally being part of a closed Facebook group with myself and the other women that are in, in the program so that there's accountability and vulnerability so that we can all again, recognize that, we're all looking for some of the same things and we want a space to grow, love, heal and be heard together. Mm, that's yeah. good. That sounds yeah. exciting. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> this is the question that I've been waiting for and I've been waiting to ask you. And, and this is, <laughs> well, I don't know why you're laughing for it. This is the, this is the title question. Uh, if you had one thing, one opportunity uh, one thing to say to the 17 year old version of yourself, what would you say to the 17 year old uh, version okay. of Natasha? 17 year old Natasha. Okay. I would say to, to trust myself more, um, to take, to take more risks. So to trust myself more, to take more risks and to stay off a of black planet. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> black planet. By the way, side note, I, I was, I was. If, if you, if you ever came across a profile called Chill Negro, that was me. Chill Negro. <laughs> black planet was a place. But listen, listen, Natasha, this was. Black planet was so not the place. <laughs> Oh man, this is, this was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I really, really appreciate your time. I appreciate your energy and just the vibe that you're bringing. Um, you brought so many gems, like, and it wasn't just gems. It was like, it was real conversations, um, just about so many different angles of, of being able to look at yourself, look at the, the memories and the experiences that you've had and how you've used those as building blocks. So I really do appreciate 
um, just your transparency, your willingness to come on the podcast, the story over everything podcast. Um, last, last thing is how can people get a hold of you? Where can we follow you? All of those good stuff. Ooh, okay. So my Instagram is at Natasha L Helwig, H E L W I G. And I also have one for broken heels, although I'm trash at posting on it. <laughs> and that's at broken heels. Heels is spelled H E A L S. Probably be the best way. Just DM me there. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. No DMs, okay? No DMs. Leave the sister alone. <laughs> email her, okay? Don't be doing no DM sliding into nobody's email. DM. <laughs> My email is brokenheels, H-E-A-L-S, at gmail.com. Or if you're Jamaican, it's broken heels. Yes. <laughs> broken heel. Broke up heel, okay? Uh, dot com. <laughs> well, listen, Natasha, I am so glad that you are part of this conversation. I'm so glad that you are part of the, the family, the story over everything family. Your story has blessed my heart and has inspired myself and so many others. And I just wish you the best. Um, you already know that your boy is here for you. If you need anything, if you need any support, um, you know, media stuff, I'm always here for you. And um, again, for those that are listening, thank you so much for making it to the end. Um, if you have any questions or any comments, or if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can hit me up at Tristan Barracks on all my social media accounts. That's at T-R-I-S-T-A-N-B-A-R-R-O-C-K-S. Or you can hit me up uh, at info at TristanBarracks.com. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, stay positive, stay blessed, and stay focused. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Story Over Everything podcast with your host, me, Tristan Barracks, the digital storyteller. I hope that you were inspired, challenged, changed, and most importantly, gained a new perspective on life. I just have one question for you. What story will you tell? Until the next time, peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.